Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. We love sharing news from our sponsor, Healing Inside Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners are here to help you, especially when it comes to the health concerns that are unique to us women. At Healing Insight, women's health is a huge priority. They're helping women who think they just have to live with things like painful periods, PMS and PMDD, endometriosis and fibroids. Women like Beth, who shared this testimonial. She said, I had such bad cramps that I was suffering with PMS for three weeks out of the month and my moods were all over the place. The practitioners at Healing Insight worked their magic with acupuncture and herbs. I feel like a much better version of myself again. Senya says many of her patients are like Beth who think being on the birth control permanently is the only way to solve their hormonal issues and Senya says that's just not true. Healing Insight's holistic approach can rebalance your hormones naturally so you're not struggling with your cycle every month. And Healing Insight practitioner Nikki Ballian was also just officially certified as a fertility specialist by the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. She's one of only nine practitioners to have this certification in the whole state of Minnesota. Listen to the episodes of Best of the Nest featuring Senya, number 25, simply titled Anxiety, and episode 113, where we talk about coping with the COVID-19 global pandemic. Visit HealingInsightOnline.com. That's HealingInsightOnline.com to find out more about Senya and her team. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And Marjorie, today we are talking about the mind-body connection. Shockingly, your mind is in your body, and so they're not that separate of things. Yeah. Why did it take us so long to think they might be connected? I wonder. It took so long to figure that out, that if you're doing something for your body, that it might impact your mind and vice versa. But I'm so happy that we have an expert on this topic today to talk about the mind-body connection and how we can get our mind and our bodies in line and working together. So I thought, Marjorie, when you feel most connected to your body and your mind, when is that for you? What's happening for you? For me, it's when I'm walking and when I'm exercising is usually when I feel more connected because it slows down my mind. Um, I, I can, my thoughts don't race, but I have lots of ideas all of the time. <laughs> so when I'm walking, I'm able to sort of sort through those. And I think that that's, that's a really, and I'm sure there are a lots of biological reasons that that happens, but it's clarifying for me. I don't need to, especially now, I don't need to do intense workouts. I just need to be out, sort of outside. And then yeah. I also feel more connected. The mind-body connection for me, I was thinking about this last night, is I have to be alone. I am, mm-hmm. I am probably foundationally an introvert and I 
absolutely have to have a lot of time where I'm alone in order to feel sort of centered. And if centered means mind-body connection, then that's that's a necessity for me. Yeah, I think I've been more and more amazed the older I get at that idea of where your gut feeling connects with your brain and how I think I get... I can tell if like my stomach is off or I feel uncomfortable or something that then I can't do my best thinking and I can't be as clear about things. And also the other, the other thing for me is really thinking about how can I have that moving meditation happening regularly and, and prioritizing those things in my life. And we talk about that a lot on the podcast. Of course, gardening is a big thing for me. Cooking is a big thing for me. And those are moments where my body is moving and my body is doing things, but they, my body and my mind feel the most like they're just moving in sync because I'm not thinking about anything else. else. I'm just focused on that one task. You know, it's funny for me, Elizabeth, and you know that I was not, and still am not, a gardener, but at, at the Kansas house, we have a lot of yard work to do. And <laughs> so it's so, it's been so interesting to me that, and I always thought people, when they would say this, I never understood it, that they enjoyed weeding. Yeah. Like, weeding is very peaceful for me. It's very, <laughs> and I was, I had a really stressful week last week and I found myself as my coffee breaks, I would go out and pull weeds. Like yeah. it, it was very, it was very helpful. And I'm sure that's mind body connection as well. So those are our anecdotal experiences with mind body connection. And now we're going to get to the real deal and the expert Thank and goodness. the science. So <laughs> we are so happy to welcome back Dr. Bobby Wegner to Best to the Nest. So she was on an episode a few episodes ago, Marjorie, and you were out. Yes. And we had such a great conversation. And as soon as she mentioned her specialty, which is behavioral medicine, which is something that's so important and kind of how that can connect with talking about parenting and families, I was like, Bobby, we have to have you back to talk about this. So if you missed that episode, uh, Dr. Bobby Wagner is a clinical psychologist and she focuses on the impact of stress on parents, kids, and families. And she teaches at Harvard. So I feel like she's really overqualified to talk to us, Marjorie. No, I'll take any expert, especially one that teaches at Harvard. I'm good. Welcome them in. And, and I will say, and, and Bobby, welcome. I just want to say real quickly, I did listen to the episode last night. And I just have to encourage everybody to listen to it. I think what I loved, two things I loved about it, and I swear, Bobby, you'll get your chance. Two things I loved about it. You guys were talking so fast. I thought, oh my gosh, I want to be a part of that conversation because I'm always (laughs) caffeinated. And two, you said something which I think was so important to every family to hear, which is if you're feeling friction, if your family is feeling out of sorts, if you're feeling out of sorts, look to your own behavior first. And I just thought that's such an important message always. I hope I got that message right because I don't want to put words in your mouth. But welcome to the oh, welcome to the podcast. We're happy you're here, Bobby. Nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm so excited to be here. And I just love the podcast and all you what you talk about. So I'm just honored to be here again. Thank you. Oh, we're so glad. Okay, so Bobby's <laughs> specialty, as we mentioned, is behavioral medicine. And she does all sorts of talks and writing about this. And this is something that's so important. But I think we want to start with the basics, Bobby, which is, what does that mean by sure. behavioral medicine? Yeah, so it's very it's in simple form mind body medicine. So what we think is very much connected to how we feel and how our body is impacted. And so it's really just really focused on mind body uh, the mind body connection and how we can change our thoughts and our behaviors to impact both our physical health but also our emotional health 
to. So don't you feel like this is something that has sort of been missing from modern medicine for a long time, that there was seen as so separate and it was it's something that I think probably traditional cultures relied on meticulously when it came to wellness and healing and then as we got more advanced with medicine and I'm you know which is obviously so many benefits in so many ways we we got away from that yeah that's so true I mean in our kind of western medical model we compartmentalize this we look at physical health sort of in isolation and even the way we treat symptoms and disorders, it's super compartmentalized. It's not like Mm -hmm. one person. We don't have a very holistic approach in our culture. I think we're getting better at it, but we still have a a lot of work to do. But even until the, we can get into sort of the physiology of the mind-body connection later if you're interested, but we thought of sort of the stress response or some of the physical responses we have as like completely unconscious and out of our control. It's like if you're feeling really stressed or your heart's racing or you're, it's like we thought we had no control over that and until like the 70s and now we realize like although that happens subconsciously it's not unconscious so we can change the way we're thinking we can change our breath we can change our behaviors to start to feel better to reduce our heart rate to reduce things like heart rate variability blood pressure just that sort of sympathetic nervous response which is really the stress response and i think too i wonder and I don't have any background in this, so I just, I'm just curious about the busyness of our lives in the last, yeah. maybe from the 1950s on, how our culture has changed. Women have changed, mm-hmm. thank goodness. But what we have to put into our day, especially if we're mothers and we have mm-hmm. full-time jobs, I think so much of that mind-body connection gets lost in the busyness mm-hmm. of that. And I, I just wonder if if you say that we really didn't start thinking about that until the 70s. And what's so interesting about that is it's kind of the 70s when women started really in, in larger numbers sort of coming back into the workforce and trying to balance children and husbands and lives and all of that. And I think sometimes that for me, when I think back to mind-body connection, that's where my – that's part of where my failure came in is having a full-time sort of very difficult job. Children, you know, one of my most difficult jobs came when my kids were four and or six and four. So everything was sort of coming in at me at once. So when you talk about like stressors, I don't remember thinking, oh, just take a breath. And mm-hmm. I just think that's so important to know that we still are in control. We always need to be in control of our our bodies and what's coming in. I just don't think we're very well trained in doing it. Yeah, this is literally my favorite topic. So I started (laughs) off my career as, I mean, I am a health psychologist and behavioral medicine provider. And I worked, as we were speaking earlier, Marjorie, with like people who have major medical conditions. So people who are, have new spinal cord injuries and they cannot get their ability to walk back again, but we can work with how they're thinking right. and what, what narrative they're creating. And I can, we can work on their body, changing their breath to manage both pain, stress, mm. anxiety, mood, right. and kind of targeting from both angles. And I love this work. I still do it. And uh, then I had three children. So they're 11, nine, and six. Mm-hmm. And I jumped into the parenting culture. And nice. I and I kind of think I'm pretty laid back generally. I have a lot of kid experience. I'm a kid person. Right. And I was like, holy cow, I'm so over my head here. Why am I <laughs> shouting at my kid? Why am I impatient? Why am I irritable? This is embarrassing. Like out of all the people, I should be totally primed to be killing it at parenting. And I was like, great. 
So then I started taking the behavioral med- uh, medicine skills and the mind-body skills that I learned through clinical health psychology and really writing about it and applying it, applying it to the parenting world. Because especially at this moment in time, for a whole bunch of different reasons, we're in a very, very stressed, anxious, overcommitted, overscheduled culture. Yep. And, and there's almost like an honor that people sort of like people are pressing, oh, I'm so busy or I'm so stressed. Yeah. And, and if you're not, it's almost equated with like laziness or right. something. Yeah. You're I not know. doing enough. Right. If you're not saying busy, I always say that if you have answered the question, how are you with, Good, busy, really busy. We're really busy. I think that that is the number one sign of massive dysfunction. Yes, <laughs> yeah, think. Well, think about it. How weird would it be if you went up to somebody and said, "How are you?" And they said, "I am really calm. I'm really calm." Has I'm anybody ever said that to you? You'd be like, "Are you high? What's <laughs> happening with you? Like, yeah. did you get some gummies somewhere? <laughs> what are you doing?" But, but that's the answer we should be giving. Right? Yeah, what we should be striving for. And people don't even realize we're in it. So the thing is, the stress response is subconscious. And so it's it's not completely within our awareness. So we're running around with increased muscle tension, shorter, shallow breaths, increased heart rate variability, like all these physical symptoms of a stress response. And we're not even quite paying attention to it because we're used to it. Yeah. So we're desensitized to it. Yeah. But we're but our rates of depression, anxiety, panic are so much higher. And and we're seeing it in our kids. Right. So like this is of interest to me because I think this is how we actually create healthier children and a healthier culture. Because health and wellness really starts from the parent. Yeah. So we have to model self care and teach kids how to cope, like to know themselves in this way. And it really ripples out whether it's wellness or illness. Do you think that you can be truly physically healthy if your mind isn't healthy and vice versa? Or do they have to work together in order to have, in order to achieve and be able to enjoy health? Yeah, I think they're so closely tied. So like I, so I will give talks on stress and people will say like, yeah, I get what mind body connection is kind of, but I don't know if I believe it or something. Hmm. And so I'll say, okay, close your eyes and just picture this really juicy lemon in front of you and like smell it and look at it and you see the lemon juice juicing. And then imagine taking a gigantic bite out of it and rubbing it all in your tongue. And it's like you get that physical response of like, Oh my God, that's like terrible. You can taste the sour. Like you're, even just you talking about that, you can feel like saliva build up in your mouth. (laughs) You feel the saliva. You feel that feeling in your cheeks. I get sort of goosebumpy and that's all subconscious, right? So I'm not thinking, but my body's responding to that image I just created in my mind. So apply that to work stress, apply that to family stress. We're carrying the burden of that because what we're thinking is hardwired like fast tracked to our body every moment of every day. Whoa. That's, yeah. you got to really control your brain, Marjorie. I mean, we got to get it under control. <laughs> it, may be too, like, it may be too late for me, Elizabeth. <laughs> Maybe too late. No, but it's never too late. It's, what's so interesting about this, and I, I just think it's so important, the work that you're doing, is we do model that for our children. And one of the things that Elizabeth and I like working I think the reason we like doing the podcast together is because we are at very different points in our life. And so she has young children. My children are 28 and 26. And I like the men that I raised very much. And we're a very communicative family. So we can be very clear about the things 
my children are very clear with me about the things that I did, that they perceive that I did wrong. Or I could just say it this way, that I did wrong. Um, and and I love having that conversation with them because I think on the main, they're pretty good. But I also feel like, and I did hear your words about advice. Elizabeth knows this. I try never to give a lot of advice. But I do feel like I can sometimes offer a cautionary tale. I I, I never mind being the don't be. And one of the things that I think I didn't protect them from enough was stress of of that idea of buffering them a little bit from my own waves of mood or anxiety. And I, I think that that, I regret that because when I look back, I know that I, up to a certain point, I didn't have control of it. And I just love the idea that that message that, of course, we can get control of our thoughts and our lives in that way and have a more healthy mind-body connection. But you have to learn it. I don't think it comes naturally to us. But I, I ask you, should it come naturally? Yeah. No, I think we all have these stressors. And I think a part of it through life is hard, regardless of what your situation is. And there's pain and there's stress and there's anxiety. And the goal isn't to not have it. It's to help ourselves and our children become aware of it, be able to name it, be able to notice it, and then have skills in place to, to get through the moment. Amen. So so I think part of that too is modeling. So I'll use myself. Marjorie and I were um, just speaking before the show, but we had a family loss recently and it was a, it's a close family members. My brother-in-law got diagnosed with leukemia during COVID, 44 oh. years old, and ended up passing away a couple weeks ago. So that's that's so for another time, but it's but it, I was like, okay, how am I gonna? It was the first really close loss for my children, right. and and he was living with us, and and it was like I have to model grief for them, and that doesn't mean being happy. It means being exactly who I am and showing them that it's okay to be sad. It's also okay to be happy, and we're gonna talk about it. I'm gonna be curious about how they feel about it. And we're going to hold it together, and then we're going to get through it. Yeah. And life goes on, too. Right. Bad things happen, and there's still happiness and goodness, and that's really, in my mind, how you teach more resilience. Right. So do you think, Bobby, I mean, and that that is such a difficult loss and something that I think families can relate to and modeling grief. And as Marjorie was talking about the stress, because Marjorie, when I was hearing you talk about that, I was thinking to myself you taught them how to handle stress. And I don't know if necessarily sheltering them from everything is the way to go. You want to find that balance where kids don't have to take on more of the world than they should be able to emotionally handle at different ages. But at the same time, I mean, if like if Bobby, if you're walking around the house and your brother-in-law just died, someone who means a lot to you and your family, and you're just saving all the grief for when you're alone in the closet and sobbing and then, okay, let's have Pop-Tarts. Everybody's fine. Let's go swimming, blah, blah, blah. I mean, neither of those seem healthy to me, right? You have to be able to show them what it looks like to grieve and what it looks like to manage stress in a way that is still living. Yeah, it's showing that like pain is part of the emotional human process. And as a culture, we typically want to like not show that because it's thought of as like bad or something. Mm -hmm. But what we're doing is when we 
children are like the best barometers of emotional tone. So if you, if you don't (laughs) validate their emotional experience, then they're disconnecting from themselves. They're like, my mom's saying everything's okay, but my belly's telling me that this is not okay. And so then you're help, you're, you're doing a disservice to them because then they don't trust their belly. And our goal as moms and dads and parents is to really help build them a close connection with themselves and build their own internal compass. And the way we do that is validating their, what they're picking up. So like what you were talking about, Elizabeth, with like feeling that sort of belly feeling, mm-hmm. that's your enteric nervous system. So our gut, it's, it's a, it's like a, another nervous system that does not get a lot of attention, but it's, it's not connected to, to our central nervous system. So it almost bypasses your thoughts. So you can walk into the room and be like, this vibe is off. This is dangerous. This is whatever. I don't know why, but your enteric nervous system picks up on things in the environment that don't get translated to thoughts necessarily. And so it's like, follow that gut. And we want to help our children learn to follow their gut because that's like what's going to serve them throughout their life. This is why you're so revolutionary, Bobby, because the only people that I hear talking about gut and really like listening to that are intuitives, are acupuncturists, are people who are more maybe on that sort of like fringe healthcare. And you have that mainstream doctor experience and you are, are sharing that this is a real thing. This isn't just like, and it's not just a women's thing. That's the other thing. I think we all, everyone kind of will give credit to women's intuition, but then men are just kind of, well, men are just no. watching baseball, doing whatever, right? right? I mean, men have intu- you can teach your men and your boys that they have it too. Yeah. As you talk about the gut, what I was thinking about is a couple of years ago, my husband interviewed, he interviewed one of the top true crime writers in the country. She has since passed away. And I went to Seattle with him when he went to do the interview, and I got to meet her, and I was sort of sitting on the side as he was doing the interview. And she talked about – she had written a book on Ted Bundy. This is going to feel like I'm going off track, but I'm not. (laughs) She'll get back. Don't worry. She had written a book about Ted Bundy because she had known him. She had actually worked at a call center with him and was friendly. And she also happened to be a true crime writer even at the time. It was very crazy. Wow. But but when she was talking about – why she wrote True Crime, she said she felt like it was a way to help women to sort of have their instincts up and sort of for her to sort of be giving them the warnings that, you know, there are people like Ted Bundy out there. What she had said, though, is when she interviewed a lot of women that had been through terrible situations and had been attacked, she said most of those women, what they would say is, I felt like something was wrong with him. I mm-hmm. felt like like their gut was telling them something's not right here. And the women that sort of followed that more often than not were able to save their own lives in some cases because they were listening to okay it just doesn't it just doesn't feel right. And that's that gut intuition that I think we sometimes just don't pay attention to which is so important. So intuitives Elizabeth and true crime writers mm-hmm. are aware. <laughs> And Dr. Bobby Wagner exactly. teaches at Harvard. Exactly. So there's hope in the world. Thank God. Hey, Nesters, we want you to know more about one of our incredible guests turned sponsor on Best to the Nest. Annalisha Nimala is the powerhouse behind the Exercise 180 community and movement. We had an incredibly emotional and raw conversation with Annalisha on episode 92 that focused on how we look at, treat, and value our bodies. And you can go further with Annalisha by becoming an Exercise 180 member when 
when you do, you get an all-access pass to Annalisha's E180 digital course, private podcast, online workout videos, and private Facebook group where she hosts health challenges and live events, everything you need to become one of the strongest, healthiest people you know in body and mind, and to initiate you into a movement creating real change for the next generation, specifically our daughters. Go to exercise180.com forward slash join dash now for more about her membership. And she also offers a free masterclass that lays out the seven principles her E180 philosophy is built on. Get signed up for that at exercise180.com. As a bonus, everyone who signs up for her free masterclass receives a special link that allows you to get registered for her membership at a big discount. And go back and listen to episode 92 of Best to the Nest. It's a must listen. So when we talk about that mind-body connection, Bobby, what do you, what immediately comes to mind in terms of, I know breathing is so big for you and mm-hmm. my watch is like always reminding me to breathe. This little Apple watch is always telling me breathe and I'm going, oh gosh, I'm breathing shallow. Um, <laughs> how do we, how are we able to connect those two so that we can actually feel what's going on in our gut? Because I might think if you're, if you're kind of living the standard American lifestyle and you're just crushing like Coca-Cola, and sugar and white flour, your stomach is so bloated and out of control all the time that you can't tell the difference between what your gut is telling you about a situation versus I'm just permanently bloated. I mean, that's, I feel like that's the struggle right now. But one, I think there's, there's, you're making me think of a couple things. So I think where to start is one. So what we do in our practice is something called biofeedback. And you can, you don't have to see a practitioner to do this. They're biofeedback apps. I think I have one on my phone called Heart Breath. But what it does is you, it looks at um, our autonomic our sympathetic nervous response. So signs, so what happens, like this is sort of stress 101. You get stressed, you have a thought, like I'm late to work, a lion's about to eat me. My, I'm parenting poorly. Whatever it is, all those thoughts create the same physiological response, which is your, it's your amygdala in the back of your brain starts firing. When that starts firing, you go into fight or flight mode. Your frontal lobes, which are the thinking part of your brain, get suppressed. So it's kind of one or the other. You're, so it's like you can't outthink of yourself from a situation when you're in complete stress mode. Oh, so, yeah. so you're only, it's like a seesaw. So if you're in heightened stress, you're thinking, your your memories affected, your attention, like all of your executive functioning. So you're literally becoming less thoughtful in this moment because you're going into like basic operating mode. So the, the first place to start is to change your state. So short, what ends up happening is you breathe very rapidly and it's like adding oxygen to a fire. Your heart starts pumping your muscles get more tense, your blood flow goes to the important parts of your body, your brain, your heart, your gut. And it's the first thing you have to do is kind of change the state by changing the breath. Okay. So there's uh, apps, biofeedback apps that help you actually look at things like heart rate variability or pulse, and you can get the feedback that you're actually slowing your system down. And then once you get the body a little quieter, you can start to explore the thoughts. So what am I thinking here that just triggered this whole cascade, this whole event? And how can I say this in a different way to myself that is honest, but it's not so stressful? So it's a difference between I'm completely behind at work. My boss is going to hate me versus I have some work to do. How can I get more support around this? Maybe I actually need to go to the boss and figure out a new plan. And like, I'm not a bad employee. This is like just the nature of the beast at this moment in time. 
but just shifting the the way we're, the self talk shifts the physical response. So when you find your fight, when you find yourself in a fight or flight mode, how do you train yourself to be able to? I, I get the physiology, like what's happening, but how do you get yourself to slow down? How do you train yourself yeah. to be able to react to that? Because I think if we really think about that honestly, how many of us live a large percentage of our life in that state or close to that state? Yeah. Because that's become the norm. Yeah, it's so true, Marjorie. And I think people, so like there's a difference, but you think about anxiety, panic, stress as a, a spectrum of arousal, not, not the good kind of arousal. It's like the <laughs> like heightened vigilance, like on the cusp of losing your mind arousal. And so, and, and that has like your, your blood flow is different. Your heart rate's different when, depending on where you are in that spectrum. So the best way to deal with this type of stress is to tackle it every day when you're not actually completely stressed. So oh. it's the same, it's the same. You want to bring down your baseline arousal, expecting that we're going to have moments of stress and anxiety. But if you're lower down on that spectrum, when you hit those moments, you're not going to jump up in a panic mode. You're going to jump up into like higher anxiety mode. Okay. This is serious. So it's like my, it's like, uh, the same thing as muscle memory. The more you do this, you, uh, the more you exercise, you get healthier and you respond better to physical challenges. It's the same for like the stress response. So you do breath work every day for five or 10 minutes, a biofeedback app, a headspace exercise, whatever it is, but you're very concretely bringing down your baseline arousal. And it's much easier in those moments where there is heightened arousal to like manage better. And the hope is you actually don't get so high as well. Okay. This, this is-, is so smart. This makes so much sense because you think about it, it's like working out regularly, not running a race every single day, right. but like then every so often when someone's chasing you and you need to run a race, then you're ready to go versus not being. And it's the same thing for your mind. And this is yeah. exactly what you talk about when you talk about behavioral medicine, that it's the same training that you do for your mind, that you do for your body, and they're all connected. How is this not, I mean, I feel like when we leave the hospital with our babies, I know. Ought to have, <laughs> I know. this ought to be like on a one sheet, like teach your kids this. Because imagine if from the time a child is born, if you're working on their breath, like what, would, what a difference I know. that would make. It's such a no brainer to me, Marjorie. Oh. And it's so insane to me that we don't do it. But quite honestly, I mean, Elizabeth knows this. This is what we're doing with this startup that I'm working on is trying to teach parents these skills so they can help their kids and just make the like world a better place. Yes. If we can all do this, like I'm healthier, they're healthier, the culture's healthier. Absolutely. It, it just, it's like such a no brainer to me, but it's I don't totally know. true. And what Bobby's referring to is new venue, which is her parenting coaching website where you can connect with parent coaches who have this same mindset who, where this is top of mind when it comes to parenting. Because if you can manage stress, then you can tackle anything. But if you are living in this constant stressed fight or flight, everything is a panic mode. And boy, I mean, have we gotten there in our house on occasion? It is not great. Then you can't, you can't parent well. You can't do anything well. It so reminds me of something our marriage counselor said where she talked to us about this point that you get to when you're in a discussion or an argument. And she said, you guys, once you get to that point, yeah. you are physically 
incapable of having any sort of constructive conversation. You will not resolve it. Like once it's gotten to that level of where you are like, boom, 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 boom. We've all thought about, we've all been there with our partners. At least I certainly have. You're not alone, Elizabeth. Don't worry. Thank you. Yeah, you're not alone. But then you can't do anything. And she always tells us like somebody's got to put a pin in it and you've got to say, (laughs) we got to step away for a solid 30 minutes. Because you, your body is in that mode and exactly what you were talking about, Bobby, that you can't make a thoughtful argument because all you're thinking about in your, in your blood and in your bones and every cell of your body is I have to survive, which in that fight means I have to be right. And you can't get anything done if you're going into a conversation like that. And those are the dumbest fights ever. I mean, oh. honestly, you get to that point and it's like, Sometimes I'd wake up in the morning like, what the hell was that about? <laughs> Why did I waste all that well, there, time? There's some couples therapists um, that will, so they'll use biofeedback equipment and have each partner hooked up so you can look <gasps> at your heart rate. Oh. And if your heart rate starts to get to like 100 or more, it's like, you know what? Like 100, 110, you're like, let's just pause because we're going nowhere good. <laughs> but you get that concrete feedback. Um, <laughs> the other thing at New Venue to Elizabeth is we start each session with like a mini meditation. Yeah, because we want to change the state before we change the the yeah. like mental part, and so it's just helping people start to build this into their everyday. It's like taking two minutes to these breaths make a huge impact. And the thing I like about biofeedback, which uh, is just like you can get, you can see it happening, so it it buys people in a little bit more easily because you're like, oh wow, my my heart rate is decreasing, or and, and now I feel better, right. you know. And yeah, I think, and I don't want to go to profound on this, but I do feel like I keep thinking addiction when you talk about this, because when you're talking about this, what's coming to mind is when we have completely distanced our mind and our body and we're running at this stressed state and we've told ourselves that pain and discomfort is the worst thing and we just have to figure out to get through it, how to get through it. A lot of people's coping mechanism for that is something bad and it could be shopping, it could be eating, and then it can be heroin. I I feel like Getting this ingrained into our culture and what you're talking about is not just revolutionary for parents and managing their children and relationships, but I I just feel like it could be the solution for so Mm -hmm. many addictions because we're just Mm self-medicating all the time. Oh my goodness. It would just to be able to be in control of your emotions and to understand why your body's reacting the way that it is or why you can't get control of your thoughts just imagine, I mean, I think each of us can look at our own families and think about situations that we, a, a fight, or if you yelled at your kids, how differently you would feel about yourself, how differently the children would have felt had you handled that situation differently. If you could have just put a pause, if you've really, if you've lost it with your kids and you're yelling at them. I mean, I know every mother I know has lost it at some point where oh, yeah. their children have witnessed them out of control. Yeah. Now, you mean like today or yesterday or <laughs> this morning? <laughs> but I know. But imagine what you're talking about, Bobby. If you could, if you could slow yourself down, and if your children were witnessing that, yeah. What uh, just from the get-go, what you're modeling for them, and then you're doing less damage to your own family. You're doing less damage to their little, little fragile psyches. And I'm not saying this is never going to happen. I mean, I think we have three women here with lots of children. Of course it's going to happen. But I think for a lot of families, it becomes the norm, not not sort of the outlier experience. And I think the minute your family's living in that sort of dysfunction, 
then the stress just feeds on itself. And that's, I think, where you get, I think, and, and you're the doctor, but I mean, those were the, those are, I think, where the behavioral issues come out in children is they're reacting right. to that atmosphere. Yeah, that's really what family systems are. It's like every, they're expressors of the family dynamic. So it's like, think about a little computer system. If there's tension, it's, it's going to get expressed one way or the right. other. Yeah. And to, to Elizabeth's point, it's sort of like, teaching coping. So what I say to my kids or the families I work with is like all emotion is normal and expected. Right. And, and and the only constant is change. You could feel the worst you've ever felt in your whole life. You're not going to be stuck here. So you have to trust. It's like, I say, it's like a, like a thunderstorm coming through. Right. So we're here, we're in it, let it fall, notice it, name it. Right. Don't even try to change it. Let's get, just pay attention to it. And then also notice it go away. Well, so you're it, modeling, like naming it, noticing it, tolerating it, doing what you can, and kind of like accepting it in some way. And that in itself is really like therapeutic and helpful. I love that. I, I'm going to have to go back and write that down. It's almost I, I want to put that on a T-shirt. Naming it. No. What we're all I know. Naming and it. You know, I don't even like like signs and scrolly words, like scrolly letters with things written on them. And I think that that would be a good scrolly letter sign <laughs> above your kitchen or above your headboard or something. You know, like why don't we ditch the live, laugh, love and right. put up there what Bobby just said? That is really it's impressive. Important. Well, in our family, what, we used to say that if you don't express it. I mean, one of one of my sons used to joke that our family over communicated, ask too many questions. But part of what my husband would always say is if we don't express it, it squishes out sideways. It gets out somewhere. It does. That's what I always say to children is like emotions are like bubbles. It's like a gas bubble. It's going to come out one way or the other. You you either like let it out the way you want to get it out or it's going to come out. You're going to give yourself a bellyache. Yep. (laughs) Same thing with emotions. Yeah. And literally you will get a bellyache if you're not getting your emotions out. It will cause tummy troubles. Let's talk about that mindset, being in this healthy mindset and accepting of your emotions and then also being able to separate a little bit from that body reaction and kind of take control of it better. Mm -hmm. What happens to a person's physical health when they are able to overcome some of these mental things? Yeah. Well, the mind-body is so closely connected and there's so much research on this. There's a really good book that's a little dense, but he's really good. His name, I think, is Robert Sapolsky, and he wrote this book that explains it really well. It's called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. But I've seen a few (laughs) little videos put out by him, too, and he just talks about there's so many health issues that are tied to stress. Yeah. It's just, it's like we're making ourselves physically sick because we're not managing our stress. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's like this is not uh, up for debate. This is what we're living. And by kind of dealing with the stress and the anxiety of our lives, we're very fundamentally making us a physically healthier culture and community. And it starts at home and it just starts with you. And if you can, the only thing that you have control over, I mean, this is one thing that I think we've certainly learned in this pandemic is we don't have control over a lot, but you have control over your own attitude, how you kind of manage stress, how it manifests in your household and, and just those little everyday decisions that we were just letting go by the wayside. Bobby, do you feel hopeful about this time that this is a little bit of an awakening to what you're talking about, that people are more open to the work that you do because they've sort of 
had that minute to step back and realize, whoa, we have not been living in the right way? Yeah, I think the upside, we're in a, I think we're in this sort of like cultural existential crisis right now. And, mm-hmm. and one silver lining is that mental health is getting more attention. Right. And we are quite literally, we know mental health outcomes are very closely tied to financial health and economy. And, you know, we have so much job loss and things right now that people are in pretty rough shape. But the good news is it feels like there's more attention that's being given to it. And the the best part about that is it will hopefully reduce the stigma. Like this is, and it affects everybody right now. But, and I think young, younger generations, quite honestly, are just better at this than people my age. Um, yeah. And I'm, I really hope that we're moving in that direction. And I think parents, all parents, in my opinion, are, they might not, have the best parenting skills, but they fundamentally love their kids and want the best for them. Mm-hmm. And I think parents are more likely to get help when it's affecting their kids and their families. And that's really with Nuvenu, like why we're targeting parents, because we know they're well-intentioned, loving parents that even if they're kind of like doing things that we wouldn't think are the greatest kind of parenting moves, they're motivated to change and learn and grow because like for the, for the health of their children. And yeah, that's amazing. And I think too, I mean, certainly that was true for me is that was when I knew, Oh, you know what? I could, I could use a little therapy because I think if we're high functioning, many adults are high functioning by all appearances, super successful. I, I do believe that you see your own frailties when you're in relationship. And so for a lot of us, we can still be high functioning within a marriage, especially if you don't have kids, because you both go to your jobs, you work 60 hours a week, you come back, you can have a, you can have a relationship because you may not yet be in friction. I do think for a lot of couples, it's when kids come along and then you're kind of balancing a lot of things at once that you realize I think more things get revealed. I think more things get revealed oh. once you're in relationship with your with your boyfriend or your husband or your partner, but then kids just open that up exponentially. And I I too think that I I hope that that's when most parents would say, "Okay, I do need help." And I love that that's sort of your mission, Bobby, because I think I looked at I looked at the website and I looked at what you're doing, and I think what's so important is for a lot of people it's hard to make that call to say, I need to go to a therapist. It's mm-hmm. still really intimidating. And I, I kind of feel like, and please correct me if you're wrong, that what you're providing is sort of a bridge. Yeah. So we're trying to strip. There's a lot of obstacles to get to a therapist for a whole bunch of reasons. Yeah. Like one, people are scared. There's stigma. There's price constraints. There's scheduling constraints. How do you even find a therapist? And yeah. then like, so this, we're trying to really make this, it's not therapy and we're do- using a coaching framework, but they're really, really well-trained mental health providers that are kind of, we're doing like therapy light for parents. Right. And it's not even parenting. We just understand that parents have a unique, raising a child is, one other added layer that can make things more uh, tricky, but we're still fundamentally people with issues that all humans face. So we're trying to make it very accessible and like non-commitment. You don't have to sign up for a whole series. You could do a one-off or call every week. It doesn't really matter, but we just want to be with people when they kind of need it's that coaching it. mentality, which I think is so helpful to particularly to getting, this is going to be stereotypical, but to getting a lot of the husbands on board, mm-hmm. the coaching mentality versus the therapist. You know, I just had coffee with a girlfriend the other day and 
she was like, oh my gosh, my husband will not go to therapy and he thinks that I'm nuts for going to therapy. And then when I come home, he's like, why are you paying for this therapy? And it's, there can just be such a block with a lot of men in terms of what they think therapy is and what it is. But coaching, my friends, is something a lot of them understand. <laughs> so they, they definitely get that. Bobby, we love having you on the podcast. You have to be a regular contributor. You have to promise to give us more time because it's Always. so fascinating to talk to you. And I just feel like I don't know. You talk about mind-body connection, and then I just feel such a happy connection with you every Aww. time we have a conversation and have any sort of interaction. And I think the work that you're doing is incredible. So I'm going to go back and listen to this episode and then draw <laughs> some handwritten, paint some handwritten signs with your quotes all over my house. Oh, my gosh. You are just stoking my ego, and I appreciate it. But I really love these conversations, too. And anytime you want to have me, I will, I will come back. I feel like we could, the three of us could just keep talking. I do, too. <laughs> I totally agree. We're like, oh, it's over already. And in the midst of a really tough time in your family and a big loss, we're yeah. even more yeah. grateful for your time. Yeah. Thank oh, you so thank much. You. Thank, thank you for thinking of us. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Elizabeth, be a Julie. We've got we've got mm. a great review here. Episode 145 was the best. I want to share it with all the women in my life. I cried while listening. It resonated with me. My mom has said things, and she put that in quotes, to me for years. Mm-hmm. I vowed that when I had daughters that I wouldn't do the same, and I haven't. However, it's difficult when their grandma, my mom, hasn't changed and has started to say these horrible things to my daughters. It's a struggle. Thank you. I've been a fan of both of you for many years, starting at My Talk 107, and have listened to every podcast. Thanks again. We are so grateful for the people that listened to us years ago and are still with us. But, Elizabeth, that's one of the things about the Be a Julie episode that I'm – so glad you have been talking about because it has to be generational change. I I think about this and how, how painful it must be for her to hear her mom saying the same things that she had said to her. And maybe Mm -hmm. now she has some of the vocabulary she might need to talk to her mom in a loving, gentle way, but you can't let that go on through another generation. No, mama, mama bear, you gotta protect those babies, exactly. Yep. Uh, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest or go to besttothenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.